Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons, jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story is this explosion in Beirut. So yesterday we talked about it. The day before when we were recording, it was coming across the headlines. And you pointed something out yesterday that I didn't really snap to completely, but I should have because I noticed this. When something like that happens, explosion, fire, accident, somebody's missing, whatever, anywhere in the world of 7 billion people, how is it that anytime we, it, it happens and it gets only certain stories get transmitted to every corner of the earth instantaneously. And this was instantaneous. It was a big, impressive explosion. And I know that stuff that's visually unbelievable, like really shocking, do get that kind of coverage. But then layered on top of that, that yesterday Trump said this attack will not be uh, tolerated or whatever, that... And then they made fun of him. That right there, whether he was right or wrong, I don't care. But that right there is a psyop. Having him say something that's controversial, sometimes he just says stupid stuff and you pick up on it. I mean, that does happen. Sometimes things are opportunistic, but it just feels very psyopy. And what I really think as I dig into this, and I want to read an email from somebody who knows what he's talking about, that that. I acknowledge what this guy's saying, but I think there's more to it. And I think it's an inside job. And I'll tell you why I think that. So, but before I get into those little details, what if you have anything to say, might as well chime in because I'm about to get a little bit into some nitty gritty. Not too much, just a little. I saw some stories today about the Beirut explosion linking to something that I talked about yesterday in that conspiracy theories are spreading on social media about the Beirut explosion and they're being blamed, these conspiracy theories are, on far-right QAnon extremists who are claiming, one of the claims anyway, is that this is a war between the government and the central banking system. It's just an example of how anything and everything that doesn't fall into the mainstream narrative is going to be thrown into that. Oh, that's a QAnon thing. Okay, I think they're using Trump and QAnon to taint the conspiracy theories that there are some that are true. So I think all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. makes me think that there is something fishy about the story. But I have some details of why I really think it. If you, well, I just want to read this email. If at the same time you can, with one of your, you know, one eyeball, find uh, the QAnon theory about why it's a war with the central banks between a government and central bank, is that pertinent to this specific story or is that just QAnon's general conspiracy notion? Were you talking about this particular story with that? They were talking about it in relation to this particular story. Okay. If you can find a passage on that, it may be relevant because I'll tell you what I think is going on. But first, I want to say I got a I got a message from, um, I'm going to say AR. I'm not going to out his name because it was an email. Just wanted to chime in on the explosion in Beirut. It's consistent with other major ammonium nitrate explosions with the brown smoke. Check out the videos of Tianjin, China, pictures of Opao, 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 1921, at Texas City in 1947. Ammonium nitrate is a fairly common fertilizer that is produced in large quantities globally. It's fairly unstable and if exposed to heat 
or fire, it can result in a runaway exothermic reaction. So uh, they're usually due to uh, an explosion like that would be due to start storing large quantities near heat. I would not rule out fire play, but the explosion itself is consistent with ammonium nitrate. Uh, so I'd like to see this explosion being used for a major policy issue before I suspect foul play. And uh, I appreciate that so much. I really appreciate that. He has a background in chemical engineering. He loves the WSB show. I really appreciate that. And so I kind of picked up on that and thought, okay, why would they store large quantities of something like that in a port of all things? I've already seen three stories about what explanation it might have. One is that it was seized and never pushed through, that they were trying to push it through all this time, but that the port authority was appealing to the judiciary to take action. Never happened. Another thing was that it was abandoned because of technical issues. Another thing that was abandoned because of financial issues, that it was Russian in nature, all this kind of stuff that I have seen about the why, the whatever. It could have been just an opportunistic thing. Like we have this stuff there. It's super explosive. And this is why. So this guy says a major policy would make him think twice about whether there was foul play. And in the articles that I've been reading, it says that all this is true, that the explosion looks completely legit, except what was the initial, what started the initial fire? They haven't figured out yet. And as I was reading, apparently, Beirut was a tinderbox anyway, already, metaphorically, that it was absolutely on the brink of economic collapse. It was defaulting on loans. It was having people were rioting or at least protesting actively. There was a change of government. And I recall, I didn't have time to research all the background of Beirut, but Beirut has been a very controversial or whatever place of a lot of conflict. I mean, I remember growing up hearing about it in the 80s. We were involved. Israel was involved. Syria was involved. I thought that under George Bush and Condoleezza Rice with the New Middle East, that they had squared it away and it did have a pro-Western government after that. And it was one of the countries, if I recall correctly, that Wesley Clark said, these are some of the, some of the states that we can clean up after the USSR is gone now. So remember he said the seven countries, this was one of them, if I recall correctly. And I thought it was the first one to get cleaned up. There were two quotes in today's Wall Street Journal that made me think that this thing is what what I think COVID is. So I, I, this is a very New York thing, I think. I don't know if you're familiar with this. If your business is failing and you burn it down to the ground, including all the records and everything, you may well get more insurance money for the businesses if it were going concern for the building, everything, than you would get selling it, liquidating, taking your lumps, going bankrupt. So if something's not doing well, arson is an owner's friend. This is how arson is a is is like for insurance fraud or whatever. Are you familiar with this? Isn't that something one of the theories about 9-11? The building seven, destroying a lot of the documentation for things, everything from WorldCom to Enron, maybe. And there was insurance taken out on one of the buildings by somebody. Oh, yes. 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 Silverstein bought the buildings like a year before, took out crazy policy on it. And then made two separate claims as if they were two terrorist attacks because there were two planes 
to, and I think he got paid out on that. That was another thing. Also, the Oklahoma City supposedly had had a lot of like whitewater records and stuff in it. So you can do a lot with a big with a with a big fire or explosion. Yeah. That's for sure. But this, uh, well, like with COVID, I think it's what somebody called controlled demolition. The, the economy was about to be in free fall. They did controlled demolition so that they could say they could tap into their insurance policy, the American taxpayer. And similarly, this may be what they're doing in Beirut. They made a big explosion to, to, um, well, let me read the quotes. One was from your friends at Chatham House. She says, uh, Lebanon is fast approaching failed state status. Now, let me say, I read an article way back when, like in the 90s, about Yemen being the first state that's been allowed to fail, that it was allowed to fail because the USSR wasn't there to bail it out. So in a unipolar world, which doesn't even make sense, unipolar is a weird word, but in a unipolar world, you can allow a failed state because there's nobody there to capitalize on that land or those people because you don't have any competition. So now I don't know how much competition they see in Russia, especially over the Syria issue, but a failed state is alerts me to uh, a, you know, they're leveling up on their strategy about Lebanon because I, I guess they're losing their grip on it. It always had a lot of different factions. But the thing that supported my arson theory, you know, my whatever controlled demolition theory. Can you hear my newspaper? Yeah, Sorry. it sounded like Rush. <laughs> Sorry, oh, does he do that? Yeah. Uh, it says, this is towards the end of the article. And it's just so funny because I've been, I, I read the whole, whole, whole article just to get to this. And it says, economists say rebuilding after the disaster can have a positive effect on a country's economy, stimulating growth through construction and other spending. Now, that's because you measure an economy, economic growth on like where you start to how much labor you put into it. But the people who, the losses, taxes go up or standards of living go down or everybody's insurance premiums go up. It's really a massive redistribution of wealth and it does have genuine destruction. I mean, human labor, human capital, or capital that results from human labor is all wasted. You can't break windows and say that you've got growth unless... You're a government that starts at zero every time. And the IMF is involved. They're defaulting on loans. They, uh, the country defaulted for the first time in over a billion dollars of dollar denominated debt in March. Talks with the IMF have stalled over lack of economic overhauls. This to me seems like, and they're already connecting this blast with how to get them a fresh start. Ha ha. In, and Chatham House and the IMF are the ones who are, who are seem to be opining on what should be done next. So this seems to me policy the, stuff. The and Chatham House, Aaron's, they yeah. tend to opine on what to, what's going to happen next before the actual incident happens. Yes, and they think it's kind of funny when they destroy states, right? Isn't that what the guy says? Like, Sir Andrew ah, Wood. Job. <laughs> yes, Sir Andrew Wood of the Chatham House, who was the guy who met secretly with John McCain in Halifax and alerted him to the existence of the dossier he laughed when introduced during a Chatham House panel when they said Sir Andrew Wood and he said, I like to break up countries and everybody had a good laugh about it. Yeah, except for the the chick who was introducing a young, probably idealistic chick who was like, eh. <laughs>
What's up, guys? I talk about Neighbors Feed and Seed a lot, and not just because they offer everything you need to live a more sustainable lifestyle, but also because of the way that they conduct business. They give you the kind of personalized attention you don't get anywhere else. In fact, Bill from Neighbors is making propaganda report listeners a priority. He's given his private number to anyone who calls or emails the store so that he can personally make sure you get what you need. You're going to want to take them up on that offer. So go to NeighborsFeedAndSeed.com. You can find their info on the contact page. And if you're in the Smyrna area, be sure and check out Neighbors All-New Farmer's Market on Saturdays from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. So there's my thing about the Beirut. And you also pointed out the Hiroshima comment in the Wall Street Journal. The guy, there was a taxi driver who said, "It's, it's just like... It feels just like Hiroshima. It's another Hiroshima, which is totally not true because 140,000 people died in Hiroshima, not even including Nagasaki, and 100 people died here. But I believe it happens to be the anniversary of Hiroshima. It was. That's a good point. So that maybe that was on his mind. So they I don't just know. and they want you to think of it as that level of catastrophe. That association, so that we yeah. Can, we can forgive dead or flood them with this or take over. What the IMF does is it takes over your natural resources or your human resources, your ability to, to tax. And it gets buy-in for that because you're in an emergency situation. And so here it is. They could have, they started to default on the debt. Now these guys are going to cut because that's where, how you get out of all of this. That's how Russia got out of it. Russia has a great, great, uh, financial outlook compared to the rest of the world because they defaulted in the 90s. They had no credit, so they couldn't borrow a lot. So now they're in great shape, which I've been predicting for years. Iceland did the same thing during the 2008 financial crisis. We're not bailing out the banks. Screw you guys. Like, you shouldn't have been dealing with our government and put them in the, allow them to put this company in financial jeopardy. It was a moral hazard. And uh, I don't care if you never lend us any more money. Good stuff. I found the conspiracy theories at QAnon, at least that they're being that are being attributed. Yeah, to just QAnon. give me one. Yeah, it says that QAnon is claiming that the Rothschild-owned Central Bank of Lebanon it was very close to the explosion. The article says the Rothschilds don't own that bank, but this is what they say QAnon is putting out there, and they say that. The next day, the Rothschild Fidelity warned that the outlook for the second half is looking gloomy, and the theories behind what caused it. So they say some say that Trump attacked that place was and he was attacking the Rothschild owned central bank. So he's leading a war against Wilbur the central Ross, bank. Wilbur Ross founded Rothschild in New York, bailed out Trump, was appointed by Trump as Commerce Secretary. Trump is not anti Rothschild. And it's funny because what I determined about this Lebanon thing is I do think has to do with bankers, but now they're going to taint it as an anti-Semitic thing, as a Trump thing, because, and that I think is the truth of it. I mean, not what they're saying. And I have no idea what they're talking about. Here's a couple more. One of them related to that. Some hold ab- about what caused it. Some hold that it was missiles. Others say a firework factory exploded. Still, others say that it was a directed energy weapon. And then it says the QAnon followers are spitballing some other various purposes of the explosion. Who was behind it? Several believe it had something to do with gold, either the rising price or even a cover up or a theft. Here's a quote they give. The Rothschild stole gold and blew up a building to cover it up. 
tweeted one QAnon follower. How do they know it's a QAnon follower? I thought they removed all the QAnon people from Twitter. So how can they be tweeting? Yeah, that stuff is all just I, I, it doesn't even make sense. You don't need to go that far. I think it's it's just what you see is what you get as yeah. far as the problems Lebanon was having. And this is going to give an excuse to get some buy in from the population that's in confusion and homeless to do what IMF and Chatham House wants. I don't think there's anything more to it than that. Yeah. And I think that you're right. The true, the truth in it, if they don't want that truth coming out, it will be attributed to QAnon as a way to discredit that truth. Yeah. And Trump and all that stuff. But there, but there's other financial stuff afoot right now in the world, as you can imagine. COVID related, of course, this controlled demolition thing. The Fed has said that they are going to now pursue inflation, which is something that they're supposedly supposed to do the opposite. I think prices are going to rise. I can see that already. And I have noticed personally shortages, supply shortages. So I was trying to buy a cheap bed from Wayfair. Haha. A cheap one, not an expensive one. You better be careful. Yeah, I'm not buying any babies. <laughs> uh, and I, at like eight out of the nine beds I was looking at were out of stock. So to me, that's a supply chain problem. Front page of the journal today said drugs coming in from China, even Tylenol. I didn't know, or acetaminophen, which is what Tylenol says, what they said, not Tylenol, but that there's a shortage of those. I have this crappy little Fiat. It's just like a go-kart and it's just on its last leg. So I brought it to CarMax to get rid of it. I I literally was going to give it to my brother. Like I was like, here, if you can fit it in your truck, take it. And they're paying an unbelievable, like more than the Kelly Blue Book value. And I was like, what? And apparently there's shortages of used cars, which means to me there's probably shortages of new cars, which would make sense if there's supply chain problems. I mean, I know robots make cars, basically, but if they're made outside the country and there are problems in the ports, that's straight out of Event 201. And I think that there are a couple of other things that are either out of Event 201 or coming from that crowd right now that you should really watch out for. So for me, if you need anything, I used to say like food and all that, water. But now I'm thinking if you need uh, a car or furniture or whatever, anything that you think you might need in the next 12 months, just check out prices, see if you can get it. Uh, A couple of other things. So I am still worried about the food shortages. Did I tell you that Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum guy, said that we are ill-prepared for a massive cyber attack? Did I mention that yesterday? I don't think you mentioned it on the show. I think you mentioned it separately. Because we're all online now. And if he is telling us we're underprepared for that, that's what they say about the pandemic. And then you get the pandemic. Gates said... That climate control, you got to get that under control or COVID will keep coming back. And then the other like kind of extra thing they're working on to me is the Second Amendment. The uh, attorneys general, I have too much to say today. Sorry, I'll stop now. But let me just give you the one last thing. The attorneys general are trying to in New York is trying to shut down the NRA because if they say there's financial fraud, which I wouldn't be surprised because I think they're a little bit of a setup. And then in L.A., Garcetti, Mayor Garcetti, is... He said that because people are having unpermitted, I guess there are permits for parties mm-hmm. and in this time of COVID that he's going to shut down the water or electricity to places where they're doing that. And this all is happening in the wake of a party in Beverly Hills over the weekend that experienced a shooting. 
So they're really pull, pushing together the second the gun rights stuff. AG Barr is is leading the charge. The Democrats are totally in on it. The Fed's coming in and confiscating guns. He's using this guns as an excuse to shut down parties. I mean, they're just every they're putting everything in the bucket and they're just lighting it on fire. And that's starting on Friday in Los Angeles that the police department will get the water and power cut off. And in the article that the Washington Post put out about the power being cut off, they mentioned that YouTube celebrity Jake Paul, he's been he's filmed himself hosting and attending large parties and mansions in Los Angeles and that his house was raided by the FBI yesterday. I don't know if it's related. They don't say it's related, but they included in this article. And they did say something about in today's article that I read that you pointed out that he was at one of these like riot one of the riots protests, filming and himself. they said they did draw that link to that this time. The first time yeah. they mentioned it side by side, this time they seem to be linking it. He's done a lot of videos where he's gotten himself in trouble. A big welcome to our latest sponsor, an avid member of the Propaganda Report community, True Hemp Science, experts in CBD with a huge variety of premium CBD from different farms and with different cannabinoid profiles all in one place. Go to truehempscience.com slash prop report for your special offer. I just wanted a little add on to that. Yesterday, I was talking about this CBD thing that I'm completely hooked on. It's the Sports Ultra Pro CBD Muscle Rub, but I don't really use it on my muscles. My wrists hurt from like typing too much and I put it on there, but this is the stuff. Do not get it in your eyes or your face, like wash your hands right after you use it, but I'm absolutely hooked on it. I use some of that to help my knee out and yeah, make sure you wash yeah. your hands after use, but it helped my knee a ton. Yeah. I mean, it just works very fast. I don't know how it works, but it totally... Uh, I love it. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Jake Paul, he does a lot of videos that are controversial because he's just trying to get attention. For example, he went to the suicide forest in Japan and filmed a bunch of stuff going on there, which caused a lot of controversy. Oh, was that him? Yeah, that was the same guy. Oh. So there's something that's been popping up in the news a lot lately, and I saw it today again. It's about pandemic pods. One of the articles, worried parents flock, they flock to pandemic pods for school kids. And what's a pandemic pod? A pandemic pod, it's small groups of children who will learn together in a family's home, either with a hired teacher, tutor, or one of the parents in the group teaching. These are self-organized communities. It's kind of like they're rebooting the concept of the one-room schoolhouse that went on before the public school system emerged. It's the type of, they're exercising the type of freedom, in my opinion, right here, that the powers that be despise and that they would want to stop because the children's mind in our country are their access to the control of the future. And this is an obstacle to that, which is why I think it's in the news because all the news stories about the pandemic pods are not promoting how entrepreneurial it is, how good it is. They're promoting all the the warnings about it. And they're saying they're warning them against letting strangers into their house to teach their kids, which I find interesting because I never see them warning that when you send your kid to a public school that their middle school teacher might try to have sex with them. Don't see too many warnings about that. It says opening the doors to a stranger who may look good on paper and have good qualifications doesn't necessarily mean their real backgrounds match what's on paper. And they may potentially pose a threat to the social, emotional and physical safety of the children when they come into the home. That's just 
so do every teacher that you send them to in public schools if you don't know them. So that's not a good reason right there. But the hub, the public health officials are issuing warnings saying that the, the pods will increase the students' total amount of exposure to one another and it'll make it hard to social distance as though that's not the same case going to the public schools. So two examples that aren't really examples, but the kicker here, the wedge issue around which the pandemic pods, or the one that's going to emerge anyway, is that parents forming pandemic pods in micro schools did not create social inequalities, but they're certainly amplifying inequalities by seeking out options unavailable to others. So it is going to be an inequality Whoa. issue. This is the whole communist thing where it's everybody must suffer equally. So just because, so we cannot pay to have be in a pandemic pod, therefore no one else should be allowed to have a pandemic pod. And did I not say, I have something else to say about that, but did I not say from day one, these policies are grossly regressive? Grossly regressive that if you don't have enough space to stockpile stuff, to have your own Zoom room, yada, yada, you are at a terror. I mean, I grew up really without any extra resources at all. Something like this where, I mean, we couldn't we did not have the space to stockpile. I knew this was going to be regressive from the very beginning. They tried to mask it by just doing the UBI, the universal basic income handouts, and people are falling for it because probably everybody's stressed out and needs a break, but it's really sick that they're doing that. But this idea of equality, no, go ahead, and this is a little bit of a change of subject, so finish. There's two other issues that are related into this. Prudence Carter, the dean of the School of Education at University of California, Berkeley, she says that learning loss is likely to be greater among low-income blacks and Hispanic students. According to an an analysis by the McKinsey Group, it highlights data which shows only 60% of low-income students logging in to online instruction compared to 90% of high-income students, and the engagement rates are also lagging behind. So, this is also playing into getting internet everywhere in low-income communities as well as rural communities, and it also opens the door for the continued promotion of the Stacey Abrams, the UNESCO, was it zero, age zero, when they want to get your kids to raise your kids? Yeah, so, right. Opens the door for all of that. And they want to regulate it. So they're talking about, they're trying to cut this off the head. I've been wondering, I remember before all this happened, they were talking about homeschooling, doing ads on TV for homeschooling. I caught a couple of times and I thought, why would they be doing that? Like, why is there like the ad council, which is public, doing... And it was, you had to plug into their portal. And it was like a public school portal. Whereas Ron Paul wrote the book School Revolution, which I liked. And he was kind of launching that himself, which I think he did. And this kind of makes you, either it'll push his stuff out. It'll crowd it out or regulate it away or whatever. But they're taking over that space. And it featured in the fourth industrial revolution where kids should learn like exclusively from YouTube kind of thing. And plus that's the STEM thing that takes out civics. It takes out the liberal arts for people who are not free. It really makes kind of high level slaves, which goes with my whole Wally analogy. Yeah. But I have something else. That's from earlier where whatever. I think this is great, by the way. I think people doing this, I encourage it. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And, and it's really kind of hard to do it yourself. My kids are going back to school normally that's when I kind of my time frees up. I am absolutely going all out all the time. And now it's going to be worse, especially because I have a special needs kid. And it just breaks my heart when I like let things fall through the cracks with him. But 
I can't do everything. Can't sit next to him all the time. He has a one-on-one in school in a special needs classroom. So the one-on-one and the teacher plug in with him like virtually. You can't teach a kid like that. He has Down syndrome. You know, he just, he gets frustrated. He's learning how to use money. You just can't, like, people talking at you from a, like, a two-dimensional isn't helping. You've got to, like, right. point to it, hand it to him. Anyway, yada, yada. But I did want to say something about the equality thing. It was a telling quote where, uh, about Facebook and Twitter taking down Trump's video that said the kids are basically immune to COVID. Maybe it was a poor choice of words or a very sinister choice of words if you think that it's all psyop. But the rebuttal was... Uh, from his the campaign spokeswoman, Courtney Prella, the president was stating a fact that children are less susceptible to the coronavirus. Another day, another display of Silicon Valley's flagrant bias against this president where the rules are only enforced in one direction. So here's the thing. She's not saying that they shouldn't censor. She said the rules are only enforced in one direction. It's just like Edward Snowden. Saying, oh, it's not like I don't think they should spy on us. I just think they should make it legal or we should have the conversation. And I predicted they would just make it legal, which they did. Yeah. And this is I mean, this is not about free speech. This is about cross the board censorship and they're selling it to conservatives. And going back to the story from earlier. QAnon related hashtags are taken off of Twitter. Hashtag save the children was removed from Twitter yesterday because it was QAnon posting about saving children from pedophiles. So is QAnon QAnon followers, I mean. That's crazy. So QAnon is tainting the fight against pedos. Now that I never really I always thought that was a great. Well, Twitter and, and the media also are doing that. Tainting the fight against pedos by removing well, by that. associating it with QAnon, the taint agent. Yeah. Yeah. So. Whatever. I mean, if you think QAnon is real, then you think it's just unfortunate. But you, you could just. Here's the thing. The pedo thing has always been an elite thing. Like I never question. I don't know if Pizzagate is exactly the smoking gun, but there were those 140 dossiers in England that disappeared. There was uh, Jimmy Savile. There was the, um, yeah, the guy in at Penn or in Pennsylvania. There was Hastert, right? Dennis Hastert. Sandusky Hastert, the Speaker of the House. There was the Franklin cover-up there, which, I mean, there was, there is so much. The, the, uh, Schrader, the, was it Nancy Schrader and her husband murder suicide right. in Georgia? Supposedly, I don't believe that. Uh, pointing it, to child protective services, all that stuff is there. And and if they want, if if there was any like the Jeffrey Epstein thing, if anything was getting close to it, they needed to. It, it kind of maybe is like Biden in Ukraine and China. Like they need they to needed, inoculate people from the truth it, of it. Yeah, it was coming out, and they had to taint it. With a very similar phone call between Trump and Zelensky as we are coming, that's coming out in Ukraine right now between Biden and Poroshenko. Like it's very similar. I, I, I find it very hard to believe that the Trump Zelensky call was not mimicking the Biden Poroshenko call to inoculate people against accusations against Biden for that, which are still flowing through the system in Ukraine. It's not over yet. So in the patron 15, I'm going to tell you about 
I'm going to tell you about Michelle Obama's mental health issues that she talked about recently. All right. I had a couple little admin things. Thank you so much for my book, Country Living. I was very excited. I can now grow a chicken and deliver a baby. And I saw my, (laughs) for my birthday, and I saw my husband looking through it, which is a huge triumph because I didn't know if he would be with me on the farm. And now I feel like we're going to be skinning squirrels and doing everything we need to do to survive the uh, pandocalypse. Fantastic. (laughs) But here's a couple of other things. The uh, patron saints. I have a promotion we have. We've been talking about it. I made these super cool mugs, propaganda report mugs, the only physical manifestation of all of our years in the, in doing this show, but I have a limited supply. So it is a promotion for patron saints only. You can send me your email, uh, send me your physical address through patreon.com slash propaganda report. You can find the special offer there. You can upgrade to patron saint. I have enough. It's probably to last the end of August. So check that out and, Also, I am, this is also a very, very rare thing. I am going to join Sam Tripoli live at the Comedy Store in Hollywood on Saturday night at 8 p.m. That would be Saturday, I think, August 8th. And you'll have to call if you want to show up because I think it's like social distancing on a patio. But it is going to be a live podcast. Well, I'll be sure to get you that information. But if you're in L.A., you want to check it out, give them a call, see if it's, uh, if they're, if it's realistic to be able to join us there. Fantastic. That is the way live shows are getting done right now is outside on patios. So businesses with patios, you want to do a live show, contact one of them. It's the only reason I'm doing it because normally that would absolutely paralyze me with fear. My only hope as usual is that they're just, it'll just be us. (laughs) The crowd will probably not be what it used to be. But it would normally be. And I, that's the only reason I'm doing it. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that we post every time we post a DMB, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and become a patron. We will talk to you guys in the patron 15 or tomorrow. Have a good afternoon.